0: So Money, episode 352, Allison Fishman Task.
1: You're listening to So Money with award winning money guru Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30 minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh yourself.
0: So Money is brought to you today by Wealthfront. Wealthfront is the most tax-efficient, low-cost, hassle-free way to invest. Now, many of you I know are interested in simplifying your investment strategy. You want to reduce fees. You want to work with a service that you trust. And Wealthfront delivers. It builds and manages your personalized, globally diversified portfolio. To open an account, the minimum is just $500. And that gets you a periodically rebalanced, diversified portfolio of low-cost index funds. There are zero trading fees, zero hidden fees, and advisory fees that are just a fraction of traditional advisors. In fact, Wealthfront manages your first $10,000 for free. To learn more and sign up, visit wealthfront.com forward slash so money. Welcome to So Money, everyone. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Thanks for joining me. I have a friend on the show today, personal coach, Allison Fishman task. Allison helps people move through life transitions. The majority of her client base uses Allison's coaching to significantly change their careers, whether it's moving up in their current role, starting their own business, or finding a new, more meaningful job. She also works with parents-to-be and new parents as they prepare for the changes that come along with expanding a family. And she knows this well. She is the mom to three children under the age of three. Can you believe it? She's amazing. Allison received her coaching certificate from New York University. She also has a degree from Cornell in human development and family studies. And a fun fact about Allison, before coaching, she had another life in the culinary world. And that's actually how we met. She authored cookbooks and hosted culinary TV and web shows, including TLC's Homemade Simple and Lifetime's Cook Yourself Then She also had a great show on Yahoo called Blue Ribbon Hunter. Some takeaways with Allison, how she works with clients to help them transition to a more meaningful place in their careers. She offers some case studies and the $1 million financial failure that she learned the hard way. But Allison, being Allison, took that failure, turned it into a remarkable lesson, and to this day continues to learn from that financial failure. Here we go. Here's Allison Fishman task. Allison Fishman task my girlfriend welcome to so money hi far news good morning we go way back don't we we go pretty far yeah we go back to the well even before yahoo we sort of knew each other or knew about each other but we really got to know each other working at yahoo you had a show there i had a show yeah. there and it was those that was like i call that like the the golden era the go, the, the, ro- the the roaring age of, of video when we were at Yahoo. I feel like it's not like that anymore.
1: You know, it's so funny. I started out working in TV and I remember the t- it, 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 the the money of TV and internet video is so telling, right? Because at first the money was in TV, then it was cable. And then, wow, if video. you really wanted to make money, it was video online. Yes. I would tell
0: people I had the best job in the industry because I had hair and makeup. I had a wardrobe. Yep. I had a very generous Fee that I got per video. Yep. And, um, it was a, it was a little too good to be true. And of course, all th- good things come to an end. And I'm happy to <laughs> see that you are doing what you're doing. I feel like you are what you are doing, what you need to be doing, what you were put on this planet to do, which is helping people become a better version of themselves and, and mostly through their professional work. So tell
1: us a little about your coaching business that you started pretty recently. That's right. Um, So I actually got a coaching degree 10 years ago um, from NYU. I got a coaching certificate and I got it because it was something I always wanted to do. Um, I remember my high school guidance counselor, even I was like, this is great. You're helping people fulfill their destiny. You're pulling out of them their dreams and then helping them get it. So I always thought it was a cool thing to do. I also really loved cooking and traveling and being on camera. So in between gigs, On camera, whether it was my TLC show or my lifetime show, I actually got a coaching certificate and always coached on the side um, with the intention that once I had a family and settled down, it was something I could open office and and do full time. Which is what you're doing. Yeah. I have to to say, though, uh, do you feel as though coaching the industry has gotten diluted? I feel like everyone – Is a coach? Fantastic question. So 10 years ago, when I started, people weren't really doing it. And it was about educating people as to what a coach is and what they do. And now, flash forward 10 years, you say life coach, there's a lot of eye rolling. And I really struggled with that in terms of my personal brand. And how do I do this thing that everyone thinks they get and is super oversaturated? Also, it's an unregulated industry. There is a governing body and you can get, you know, officially certified, but it's not like therapy. You're not licensed. So yes, anyone can do it. Anyone can hang their shingle out. And I guess the way I dealt with it is just by knowing I do a really good job and my clients are very happy and just continue to go out there and do the best job I can do. So share a little bit about
0: the behind the scenes of what you do in your coaching practice. Maybe walk us through a typical relationship that you may have with a client.
1: Fantastic. Okay. Um, Someone will come to me. So I always, um, because coaching, because not everyone has experienced coaching, I always give away a complimentary intro session. Someone will come into my office. It's a lot like a therapist's office. In fact, my building is all therapists except for me, except as I like to say, there's no patchouli, there's no comfy couches. We sit at a table and there's a whiteboard. So if you're familiar and comfortable with a corporate environment, that's- feels familiar. We're not sitting down with with Kleenex. We're sitting up, (laughs) right? With paper and pen and the whiteboard. Or booze. No, there's no alcohol. I I haven't gone in that direction, but I might think about that for my evening sessions. Thank you for suggesting that. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what it is. So we're really applying a lot of sort of uh, business tools Towards your life and helping you get to a place you want to go. I recently had a client um, who came in and was like, "Listen, I, I, I've got—I don't know if I'm clinically, you know, uh, depressed or anxious or whatever." And I said, "You know what? It really doesn't matter. We're not here to talk about the problems. We're here to talk about what you want and how you can get there. And we'll take whatever that thing is and either blast through it, go above it, underneath it, or around it." I just don't spend a lot of time in the negative. I, I've been schooled in positive psychology, so we spend a lot of time thinking through what you want and how to get there and not dwelling in why you're not there.
0: I remember you giving me a phenomenal case study telling me about this one woman who came to you and you've helped her so much in her career. Can you, do you remember that story? I want you to share that a little bit because I think that's really a great illustration of how how the potential of what working with a coach can result in.
1: Absolutely. Now this is a client, um, who I've worked with over the course of seven years. And I will tell you that when she came to me, she was in her late thirties, very smart, um, successful working at a real estate firm in Manhattan and just, just hitting the glass ceiling hard again and again, literally with her forehead. And we put together a lot of strategies for her to ask for what she wanted, ask for partnership. And it just became clear it wasn't going to happen. Um, and again, very skilled, very smart, um, and and it it just it just wasn't happening. So we reviewed her value. And I mean, she was working 12 to 16-hour days. She was doing everything she could. They weren't going to let her in the boys' club. It wasn't going to happen. Um, so we kind of looked at her values and what she wanted to do as a business person and an entrepreneur. Also, she wanted to get the heck out of New York. She wanted to move back to San Francisco. Um, she wanted to uh, – get a partner and have a family. She kind of wanted a full life 180. But while she was at this job working so hard, not understanding why they wouldn't let her in, she just kept knocking her head up against the wall. So after a number of years, I'm thrilled to say she is a a very happily married woman with two children um, and working on her second startup where she is the CEO. Fantastic.
0: And that's the thing, too, is like when you find uh, fulfillment in your career, a lot of other pieces fall into place, too.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely right.
0: Do you miss your previous role as I mean, you were the go to food expert. I mean, like you had books, you had TV shows. I Mm -hmm. feel like you're also a case study in how you can reinvent your Mm -hmm. career and if it was largely fueled by the fact that we should mention you have three kids under, under the age of three.
1: That's correct. Um, I, you know, I had my children later in life. I had my twins when I was 40 and my daughter when I was 42. Um, and so that gave me two decades to, you know, get my yayas out and travel and do all kinds of fun stuff so that now – what as a mother i'm very excited to spend time with them and still of course have a career but my career kind of supports my Role and vice versa. Um, I'm a great, I'm a better mom because I have this thing that I do, um, and I'm better at what I do because I, I have a lot of fulfillment and satisfaction in my life. So you know, I'm okay going to bed at nine. I don't need to fly around. I spent two years flying around the country going to food festivals. I loved doing that. And a lot of people who come to me for career coaching, there's all, there's often a health element. Whether they're not eating, they're not sleeping. So that skill I have still is used every every time I have a session. Does money come up a lot in your sessions? <laughs>
0: um, you see where I'm, I'm going to, right? I'm trying to transition yeah. us a
1: little You know, bit. it's it's very funny. Often in my first session, people, you know, in our culture, we don't talk about money. Well, you do, but not everybody else does. Um, so when, uh, people will talk about their career and they'll, they'll say, you know, I want to make X. And they'll spend 15 or 20 minutes talking about X. And I've made Y and I've sometimes made Z, but I want to make X. And then I'll just say, "Well, what's X?" Mm-hmm. And they'll look at me and be like, "Oh, that's right. You're on my side. I can I can tell you my secret. So money comes out instantly." Um, and people say it in a nervous way. If you know someone wants to make eight hundred thousand, they'll be like, oh, "I'd really like to make eight hundred." But then you know, two hours later, I may have a client who just really wants to make one hundred and twenty. So everyone has their ex and it's really important to get it on the table because our goal is to get you there. So let's talk about the ex. Mm. Okay. Let's talk about the ex. (laughs) Let's
0: talk about your ex. (laughs) Mm -hmm. What's your money mantra, Allison? Do you have one? And does that, does that maybe play into your coaching practice?
1: Um, I actually, I thought about this a little bit and I think I have two, um, my, I know in par, in couples, there's always there often are money issues, and money issues can really break apart a couple. My husband and I are totally on the same page on this, and I'm realizing how rare it is. Which is, we live beyond within our means. We never go beyond our means. We don't have credit card debt. We don't take on our debt. Uh, we don't take on debt. So living within our means is really important to both of us, and it's great because if one of us was out of step with that, we'd be in a bad way. Um, I also very much believe, and this is informed from my you know my first career, which was dot com. I can make as much money as I want to make. I never feel like, gosh, if only I could. I believe if I wanted to make a million dollars next year, I absolutely could. I had I had uh, one friend who used to say, "How do you feel? I feel like a million bucks." That bad. I've kept company, you know, from my dot-com days with lots of self-made millionaires, people who made millions before they were 30. And then I, you know, I have lots of people who are still dealing with their college debt. So I believe you can do exactly what you want with money.
0: And I believe that when women, inher- when women earn their wealth – yeah. The world becomes a better place. Wow, I do. I think that, and I think that for me, that was really in. For, I learned this myself. I didn't grow up thinking this way. I was inspired by people like you that I've interviewed on the podcast, who have told me that um, there is no. You should not think of your income and your earnings as ever having a limit. That that it is mm-hmm. limitless, and mm-hmm. and sometimes I think we get really complacent and and satisfied. With what we make, because mm-hmm. well, it's paying. We're paying the bills on time. Mm-hmm. The kids are healthy. The kids are fed. Everyone's good. Why try to make more money? Mm-hmm. But then you're, you know, I've been told that it's not just about you, right? When you mm-hmm. make more money, the world becomes a better place. You can give that money to charity. You mm-hmm. can, you know, um, do things that you hadn't even thought about that can help you with your Stress, you can go travel more. I mean, so there's a lot of ways that money can be reinvested to make you and the world in a better place. And so let that be motivation too.
1: That's a beautiful thing. It's funny when um, when I was in high school, I inherited a little bit of money, and by a little bit, I mean it was like a thousand dollars. It wasn't a significant, and and I said to my parents, they're like, well, what do you want to do with your money? I said, I want to give it away um, for for kids who can't go to college. I want to put um, a scholarship in my name at my high school, and I remember we had. We had recently been given scholarships and I didn't apply for any scholarships because my parents were going to pay for college. I went to a state school and I was like, well, there are people who need it more than I do. So I I wanted very much to to help those people. And that that's what extra money is. That's an opportunity to help others. Yes.
0: Okay. So growing up. Yes. So you've sort of taken us already back in time, but tell us a little bit about your exposure to money growing up as a kid. What What's your fondest money memory?
1: Um, In my room, I I had access to the attic. Um, in my room. So I had like all these extra little drawers and stuff like that. And I had a black shoebox where I kept all my money. I started working, I guess when I was- <laughs> You remember the color. <laughs> I remember the black shoebox, and it was worn on the edges. And God help you if that top wasn't on the way I left it. And by God help you, I mean, God help my <laughs> Did you brother. Some- oh, yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> because if I knew that that top had shifted, someone had been in my money box and there was hell to pay. But yeah, I, w- I was- I was very organized about the way I kept my money, my stacks of bills face up and the nickels, dimes of court. Like everything was very structured and organized. I had a lot of respect for money. I took care of money. Um, there's also a story that my family loves to tell me, and I vaguely remember sitting on a yellow couch with my brother, trading money. Because I would always trade money with my dad. If I got trading a- money. So what like Here's a dollar for, you wanted like the crisper dollar or you exactly? Okay. Exactly. Like my dad, I would give him a bunch of quarters and he'd give me bills. Like you always want to get the bigger bills because the bigger bills, you know, are harder to break. It's like that piece of chocolate cake. You'll nibble around the edges, but you won't take the piece. I wanted bigger bills so that I wouldn't dig into them as quickly. So my, my brother and I were trading and I, I taught him that, you know, for every two dimes, I would give him a nickel because the nickel was bigger and of course more valuable. Now, that was not a very nice big no. sister thing to do, but I did do it until my parents caught on and they that's were funny. I know. Th- I think they were kind of horrified, but also kind of like, oh, <laughs> never clever one, this one. What is, what, is the, what is the age difference between you and your brother? Four years. So I think okay. I was probably eight and he was four. And that, that makes it really mean. And by eight, you were like really like 28 because that's how girls <laughs> mature, right? I was very shrewd. <laughs> Well, but, but he's now a financial planner, oh. so I do think I I, I helped him. You prepared him. <laughs> wow, that's an awesome story.
0: Okay, tell me about failure, Allison. Oh, financial failure. Have you ever
1: experienced one, and uh, how did you work your way through that? This is a big one for our I'm really excited to share this with you because we know each other, but I don't think you know this about me, and you're gonna you're gonna enjoy this. So get ready. Um, when I was, I guess, two years out of college, I went to work for a dot com. And I worked for a series of dot coms. I worked for a company, you know, companies that are no longer in existence, one of them that still is called CNET, but I, you know, was employee number eight at a company that went to 800. So I I helped companies early on when they were hiring basically warm bodies. Um I received a lot of stock options from one company called Viant, no longer exists. Um and At one point after we went public and the stock was up at 86, I remember looking in my little account and seeing one, two, three, seven figures. So at 28, I had crossed the million dollar mark. Wow. Yeah. And I would sit and I would like just look at the number and like refresh because every day, you know, one day it was at 70, one day it was 80. And I'd I'd look at it like, oh, 1.2 million. (laughs) Get the number on my computer screen. But it wasn't I, real money. What's that? Uh, it? it, it, it actually, these were executed options. Oh. So this was actually real money. Okay. This was real money, Farnoosh. Um, And then I went to visit my parents and I remember my dad took me to the side and said, you've got to think about diversifying. And I remember saying, dad, this isn't real money. I didn't really earn it. I didn't make a million dollars. If I get it, if I lose it, it's what should be. Mm. It's not really mine. It's not fair. That's, you know someone's retirement account they're taking a bet on me and i don't want to wipe someone else out that's some pretty warped thinking but i didn't feel like i had earned it and then we watched the stock ride down to 30 oh my gosh and my dad said honey honey got to sell some and i was like you know what dad i feel like this is just i mean i was like a little hot-headed moron and uh and then it rode down to 6 and then i sold oh. Yeah, that hurts, doesn't it? Oh, that my hurts. God. Oh, Don't man. Ever bring this up with my dad. He goes, <sighs> that's so. So I did take the money eventually and got uh, two grad degrees with it a culinary degree and then a, a master's degree. And I always say, and you could hear my voice with this, you're in pain right now. My feeling is, I paid a million dollars for this lesson. I better take something from it. So I laugh at it, I sort of see it as what it is. The money's not coming back, so it's how do you, what do you do with that lesson? right right? That's and a big you-, you you invested it in yourself essentially. I sure did. I invested in myself. And what was really great is when I was sitting there looking at the money, I remembered uh, I had a little spreadsheet and I said, okay, cool. So at 28, I don't have to work again. And I can give myself a salary of like 80 if I invest you know, with only a 5% return over the rest of my life. I can give myself a salary of 80. And then I started really thinking, well, now that I don't need to work, what do I want to do? So I- I did that thought work of if money wasn't an object, what do you want to do? And I got a lot of clarity around I want to help people. I want to help people with their lives. I want to help people cook, be happy, be healthy, be better moms, all the stuff that led me to exactly where I am. And so the moral of the story is when you take money
0: off the table, Mm -hmm. you can actually have clarity. Mm -hmm. You actually start to realize what really matters. I think that's for me, that's, that's what I'm hearing from your story.
1: You're, I love it. Right. And that's, that's also why I'm very live beyond, within my means. I keep wanting to say beyond because that's what everybody else does. <laughs> I'm very into living within my means because when money becomes a stress and when you're under the thumb of debt, mm-hmm. to me, that's a very scary place to be. So oh, yeah. that's freedom.
0: OK, let's flip it and talk about a so money moment. It sort of seems, though, that that failure turned into a so money moment for you. But is there a separate time in your life where you achieved some really personally some great financial um, like a financial win of sorts.
1: Yes. Yes. There are financial wins to offset that enormous loss. (laughs) Um, Both of them actually I have two and both of them have to do with real estate. I remember I came to New York City I think it was 90, I don't know 98. I was living in California, I wanted to move back to New York City. So I was walking around Chelsea looking at apartments, tiny little apartments for the enormous, enormous sum of like $300,000 for a one bedroom. And I was like, God, this is a ridiculous amount of money. How could I do this? Walked over to Gramercy Park, found an apartment with a backyard and trees. What? Farnoosh, 299 k So what year was this? Is, I think this was 98. I want to say 98 or 99. So I literally made an offer on the spot. It was one of those, like, it's a winter day. What am I going to do? I'll just walk around at some open houses. And I saw the difference in the neighborhoods between Chelsea and Gramercy. And it was a huge difference. And I just, on the spot, made an offer. They accepted it. Three years later, I flipped it for 500 Wow. So that was a really big win, and that felt like you know, like I said that million I didn't feel like I earned that money I earned because I saw it, I researched the market for three hours, saw for the three very- hours <laughs> opportunity, and I people researched like- for three years. <laughs> When
0: you know it, when it's so clear, it's, it's, well, that's New York real estate. You have to make a split decision. We bought our neighboring apartment in Brooklyn. Yeah. We came home from winter break and we saw there were all these shoes lined up outside of our neighbor's apartment. We thought, oh, she must have some company over from the blizzard or something. Yeah. And nope, it was an open house. My husband went in, checked it out, came in, and he was like, they're selling the apartment, you know, and it's adjoining our apartment. He's like, we should buy it. And my husband, this is me rubbing off on him because he would have never said something like this like five years ago. But he's like, "Varnush, we've always talked about expanding. We need more room eventually. You're pregnant. Like, we, you know, what do you think?" And I was like, "Well, what? You know, we we did the research. We we then that night we got pre-approved.
1: No, that's amazing. That
0: night, all over the phone. Um, and we made an offer the next morning, and
1: that was like a Monday. And then Thursday, it was in our it, it was ours." That's amazing. See, that's, that's what, now that moment, right? My real estate moment, your real estate moment, you have absolute clarity. Like you see the benefit of you, of this financially or for your family. Like this is a must have. That's exactly what I do with coaching. I sort of ask questions and get people to the point where they have absolute clarity. Right. Like they know what they need to do. And that's, I love that moment.
0: <laughs> well, and I just spent a week with a billionaire and- um... <laughs> <laughs> as I'm filming my CNBC show. And what, I, one of the things that I learned from him is that he doesn't dwell on decisions. No. He, and, and part of it is because he has really good instincts and he's 71 now, this John Paul Joria. So he has the ability to really understand things in a way that he didn't maybe 50 years ago. But that said, I think his style is such that he wants to keep moving forward. And, even if he's he's okay with making mistakes, he's okay with failure, he's okay with rejection. But he's like, let's just move, let's just keep the wheels turning, you know? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. whether the decision is to not move forward or to move forward, we've finished that decision we're move on, moving on to the next decision. Beautiful. So there's something to be said about that. And I think that it takes a risk tolerance. Mm-hmm. It takes um, an ability to, it takes confidence. Um, mm-hmm. But it takes a willingness to also be like, okay, if things fall apart, You know what? We'll figure it out. And I guess that goes back to risk tolerance. But I think that is sometimes an important variable between you and the success you want to reach.
1: Well put. Anywho.
0: Anywho. Habits. What is your number one financial habit besides... Living below your means, which is a great practice. but Within, within. With, with, right. But <laughs> important differentiation. Um, what's something, maybe a tool or even just um, a habit? Like it doesn't have to be every day. It could just be a conscious, but it has to be conscious, something that you do regularly.
1: Um, I... I like a deal, but not too good of a deal, right? Like you, you hire a cheap, you hire a cheap contractor. You're going to have a, a oh yeah. deal pretty fast. So I don't, I don't like deals like that. But I do silly things like this. Um, bread, the bread in my grocery store. I have my favorite bread. It's Prepperidge Farm oatmeal. It's great. My kids love it. It's usually like four forty nine in my grocery store. Like once a month, it goes on sale for like two forty nine, one ninety nine, something in there. I always buy a lot of it on sale. Put it in my freezer. Things like that. Just I, I like. I like playing the game. <laughs> my stock market is the grocery store. I like filling up when there's a good deal on on things like that. Yeah, they've got the two for one watermelon, except the watermelon's like really old and gross. I'm not going to do that. But I, <laughs> the 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 grocery store is where I I make my investment every day, and I like I like get. I've got a lot of kids. I've got to buy in volume. I like they, I like that. they eat well too. Yeah, they eat very well. <laughs> but I like staying sharp, and it kind of reminds me. Don't be a fool. Don't pay more than you have to. Right. I like that. Don't be a fool. Don't
0: pay more than you have to. The stock market is my grocery store. <laughs> I think that's going to be your tweetable when this episode comes out. <laughs> All right. Let's do some So Money fill in the blanks. This has been so much fun. Are you having fun? I'm having a great time. You are so great to talk to. Uh, likewise. Likewise. <laughs> okay. So if I won the lottery tomorrow, the first thing I would do is... Take
1: a deep breath. Um, th- this actually came out because we just had the big Powerball. Right. And I, my husband bought tickets. I didn't buy tickets. And I was like, and I took a moment and then I said to him, I was like, I don't want to win. And there'll be too many people knocking on my door with their hands out. People will approach me differently. Mm-hmm. Maybe my friends will treat me differently. And then I was like, okay, okay, stop. You can do good things with this money. So I would feel great responsibility. Um, I, I, you know, I, I'd I'd pay my babysitters more. I, I, I'd invest in the childcare people who've been so good to us. And I, I, (laughs) my babysitter just bought a brand new Jeep. And on the one hand, I was like, man, be nice to get a brand new Jeep. And on the other hand, I said, this is the woman who takes care of my children. I am so glad that, that she's doing so well that she can take care of herself and feel really good about the money she's making. Because as you know, in our country, we're not super great to childcare workers. So I feel great pride that she's able to have a nice lifestyle with the earnings we provide. So does that does that answer your question? I went on.
0: No, you would take a deep breath and you would <laughs> hope to God that it wasn't true.
1: <laughs> That's basically no, what I
0: got from that.
1: No, I, I would take a deep breath and say, okay, my life just radically changed and it's not about what I'm going to buy myself. Farnoosh, we'll, we'll go on a trip. I'll take you somewhere. How's that? But, um, but I would feel great responsibility and start taking very seriously, um, the, the, the places I want to help. You know, my, my yeah. mind goes to Mark Zuckerberg helping my neighboring Newark um, and not very effectively helping neighboring Newark because the money wasn't managed properly. Yeah. So I would be uh, very hands-on. I think of Bill Gates and the Gates Foundation and how hands-on they are about managing the money they spend solving real problems. I, I read somewhere recently, um, we should not ask the the youth of today what they want to be, but what problems they want to solve. Oh, and that's, that's great. A- that's exactly what I would do. I'd say I have this money now. What problems do I want to yeah, solve with it? That's brilliant. Because Thank who you. Who knows what they want to? Be.
0: I don't. Have you figured it out? I haven't figured it out. I'm still figuring it out. What do I want to be? <laughs> I mean, I'm. I feel good about what I'm doing, but you know, there's just life is so unpredictable.
1: With I want, that, with that, in that sense, it is. I do feel like if I can help people be them, their best selves, if I can help people get into their zone, into their sweet spot, they'll be doing great things for the world. So hopefully by helping enough people, great Mm -hmm. things will happen from that.
0: Love that answer. Okay, let's move on to this one. One thing I spend on that makes my life easier or better is? Childcare. Yeah.
1: Word. Uh, Word. Uh, We are spending a lot on childcare right now, more than I ever thought I would spend. And it's worth every penny. I have a babysitter that comes at 6.30 Do you want to know what I was doing this morning at 6.30? Um, sleeping. You better believe it. There's, <laughs> there's nothing more important for my health than eating, sleeping and exercise. So yeah, I was up three times in the middle of the night. So she comes Shoot. in the early shift. I earned that extra hour of sleep and it makes me a happier person. When people see me with my kids, yeah. they expect to see me bedraggled and miserable and I'm not. And it's very confusing. And the <laughs> only really reason why is because I have invested in outstanding childcare. Well, how long does she stay? She works, uh, she stays three days a week until 6.30. So she's got a 12 hour shift three days a week okay. and then half days the rest of the week. So she works within a reasonable time frame and then I augment her with other help. I do not want to wear her out. She wow. also has four weeks paid vacation and other fabulous benefits. Wow, very nice, very nice. Can I work for you?
0: No, I'm kidding. Um, you would not be the first to ask. <laughs> <laughs> One of my biggest splurges... Your guilty pleasure, Allison, that you just, you love, you're not getting rid of it is?
1: Date night, baby. Yeah, baby. Once a week, my husband and I go on a date. If we do not go on a date, I notice a difference because, you know, with with three kids under three, we're tactics, we're tactics, we're implementation. And I need a night where I dress up, put on my heels, feel great, look sexy, and get flirted with. And I'd much rather be doing that with my husband. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> than with anyone else so we yeah. invest in we go and we have cocktails and we sit at the bar and we I think we did it too much this year because <laughs> on Christmas the bartender gave us a gift certificate yeah. <laughs> I swear to god Farnoosh I was like oh I guess that
0: is perfect. no I and Tim and I found that you we because like we went the first year without a date night uh we uh, kept talking uh, about the date night uh, um and certainly like we had like occasionally like we, we if we were visiting family they'd be like, Oh, you you two go out, we'll watch Evan but then we were like, Okay, we need to just bake this into our existing yep. schedule. So every Thursday we have Roxanne, she comes over from awesome. like six till 10 or whatever. And nice. that's and last night, like we worked half the time and then we went out. So okay. it's kind of one of sometimes the weeks don't let you just have a four hour meal. Um, you, Like t- this week, especially we're just catching up on a lot of stuff. But hey, it's uh, it just it is it's built in now.
1: Yeah, I love that. Now, I mean, you were away for a week. So of course you needed two hours of downtime to yourself, but yeah. then, but you're, you're sort of out of sync with your husband and probably after not seeing him for a week kind of psyched. I know my husband was like, he looked at me with new eyes. I was away for five days and it's, uh, I, it's, it's healthy. So that's a, that's a splurge and it's so worth it.
0: One thing I wish I learned about money growing up
1: is, um, how to, how to in invest it more wisely. (laughs) Obviously my dad tried as best he could in my twenties with my millions in the stock market. But I I do think that, um, investing is very geared to men or certainly was in the eighties. I knew how to make money. I knew how to save money, but I didn't know how to quote, make my money work for me. I would have loved more education um, about that in school, right? They, they t- taught me how to bake cookies and sew an apron. A little bit of financial investing mm-hmm. skill would have been nice. And I feel like um, when you have a lot of money, either your parents spoil you and you're kind of screwed because you don't know what to do with money or your parents really bring you into the business and teach you about money. Um, we don't teach money. Um, I don't know how people pick up about money. We don't teach it in school. Your family either does or doesn't. But I I wish I would have had more of a financial, fiscal education.
0: When I donate, I like to give to blank because?
1: I like to give to local local charities, because I I believe you you take care of your small environment and it blooms into better, Um, you know, lots of money being sent to Africa or South America. And that's really important. But we got a lot of issues in Trenton and Newark. um, And I, I like to donate locally first.
0: And last but not least, I'm Allison Fishman Task. I'm so money because
1: I believe in my ability to make it. And spend it intelligently. Nice, Allison. When are we hanging out again? ASAP. You know what, babe? I got a huge stack of clothes for Evan because my boys are <laughs> a year older, and they're gonna—he's gonna look so fab this spring. Yay!
0: All right, <laughs> I'm all for fat for hand-me-down fashion. I love it. Thank you so much, Allison. Tell us where we can uh, find you. Come visit me at alisontask.com, allisontask.com. A L L I S O N T A S K dot com. We will do that. Run. <laughs> everyone. (laughs) Thanks so much, Allison. Happy New Year.
1: Happy New Year, Farnoosh.
0: That's a wrap. If you'd like to learn more about Allison, she said it, her website, Task com. She's also on Twitter at Allison Task. All this information, including the audio transcript and comments from this episode and all previous episodes, are at SoMoneyPodcast.com. I hope you join me there. And while you're there, click on Ask Farnoosh, and that's how you can send me your questions or comments for the Friday episode of Ask Farnoosh. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. Hope your day is so money.